The Holy Gospel. Today is from Mark chapter 12, verses 28 to 34 and 38 to 44. One of the scribes came near and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that Jesus answered them well, he asked Jesus, which commandment is first of all? Jesus answered, the first is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Then the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one, and besides him there is no other. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself, this is much more important than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any questions. Now skipping to verse 38. As Jesus taught, he said, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to have the best seats in the synagogues and places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for the sake of appearances say long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. He sat down opposite the treasury and watched the crowd putting money into the treasury. Many rich people put in large sums. A poor widow came and put in two copper coins, which are worth a penny. Then he called his disciples and said to them, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the treasury, for all of them have contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had to live on. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. There are moments in our lives when we are called to trust. When we bring our money to the bank or to put money in our retirement account, we we trust that those who are taking care of our money will make sound decisions When we get in a car, we trust that other motorists will obey the rules of driving. When we drop our kids off at school or daycare, we trust that those who teach them and care for them will do so with love. These are all places where we must trust, and it's reasonable to do so, for more often than not, the things that we trust will happen do happen. right? The people we are trusting have shown themselves worthy of our trust. But then there are those moments when we're asked to trust and it's clear that we really shouldn't place our trust. The phone rings, it's someone claiming to be our grandson stuck in a Mexican prison in need of $5,000 bail. Or an email comes and it's, it's someone claiming to be a Nigerian prince wanting our help to get $20 million into the United States, hoping, hoping he can get our help, transfer that $20 million into our account, we can keep a 10% commission, of course, right? Obvious moments not to trust. But, but sometimes it's hard to tell 
what kind of moment it is, right? Sometimes it's hard to tell if the test of trust is one that we can jump into wholeheartedly or one we need to pull back from in skepticism. We stand today at an incredible moment when when we're being called to trust. We're being asked to trust the wisdom of our national, state, and local health leaders, to trust that maintaining a high level of social distancing is the very best thing we can all do to help spread, uh, minimize the spread of the coronavirus. Even as we look around at the world and see several countries struggling to control its spread, on another level we're being asked to trust God at such a moment as this. When an invisible virus has spread around the world and threatens to end life as we know it. There's a part of me that wants to believe this will be our shining moment as the church. But other times I'm just overwhelmed with sadness, wondering if this will simply prove to be too much for us as a congregation, as a, as a church. Wondering if this time away from one another will simply prove that we can be replaced with videos and, and podcasts and Facebook. Wondering if I'm really the kind of leader who can be of any use when the tools I'm best at using, interpersonal relationship skills, seem to be of no use. Can we really trust that God will lead us through? There are stories in Scripture when the characters are asked to trust in what would reasonably seem to be a moment not to trust. When Abraham is asked to offer sacrifice Uh, of his son, Isaac. Or my mind goes to a story from 1 Kings chapter 17 where a widow is commanded to care for the prophet Elijah even though she only has enough food for her and her son to eat one last meal before they simply starve to death. What was that conversation like? God comes to this woman and says, I'm sending an unpopular prophet to your house. Feed him. With what? Right? I've got nothing left. I'll tell you what, God. Send me a husband. Send me some rain. Send me some food. Then I'll feed Elijah. But God doesn't send those things. He sends only Elijah. Nevertheless, she feeds him. She trusts God. God asked her to share with the prophet Elijah, even to share all that she had, and she believed in God's word, and they never ran out of food. You can see why that story from the Old Testament is often paired with the story of the widow's mite from our reading today in Mark chapter 12. On the surface, it seems like the same story, right? A widow comes to the temple, and in the midst of so many large gifts to the temple treasury, she places two coins. Both of them are known as a mite. It was the least valuable coin in circulation in Judea. It took 120 mites to equal one denarius the usual daily wage for a laborer in those days. So with each coin, she has six minutes of a laborer's time, 12 minutes total, about the same buying power you would have with three bucks in your pocket today. It was all she had. And she puts it in the treasury box. And I dare say that pretty much nobody noticed her that day, but Jesus does. And he points her out to his disciples He tells them 
that she has given more than everyone else because everyone else has given out of their abundance. But she gave in the midst of her poverty everything she has. Just like the widow of Zarephath in 1 Kings 17, faithful with all that she has. And I think it's fair to read the story this way. Jesus is applauding this woman's generous spirit, commending her as an example of faithfulness, telling others to go and do likewise, right? Maybe, maybe that's the message today. That, that's what we're all doing today, isn't it? We put much of our normal lives on hold. The way we eat, the way we shop, the way we gather with friends or seek medical care, even the way we worship, right? We paused it all for God knows how long, For the sake of our neighbor, this is our call. And I encourage you to see it this way. Not just a way to keep you and and, and those closest to you healthy, but a way that we will keep all of us as healthy as possible for as long as possible. Jesus says in Mark chapter 12 that the whole of God's law can be summarized as love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And that's what we're doing like the widow at Zarephath, sharing what she thinks is her last meal with Elijah. Like the widow in the temple, sharing the last of her coins in the offering box. Together, as we serve one another in this costly way, we are living out our call to love God and love our neighbor. But there's more happening in this story of the widow and her might. Maybe Jesus is doing more with his noticing of this widow than lifting her up as an example of generosity. Maybe, just maybe, Jesus' tone of voice here is also one of lament. He has, after all, just criticized the scribes for their extravagance and arrogance of the way they devour widows' houses. And now, moments later, Here is just such a widow dropping her entire financial worth into the treasury box. Maybe Jesus is crying out in lament over this temple system of offering and sacrifice that even while providing a method by which people might access God, it creates guilt and obligation that forces this widow to give everything she has or risk feeling shut out of this holy place. Why does this widow's society and culture have to be so demanding that this widow has to give everything she has. That sounds like my lament today, not just for myself, I'm going to be okay, but I lament for so many who are being asked to give more than they can afford to give. I lament over our local businesses who are being forced to close or scale back their operations. I wonder if they'll survive. I lament over people who are out of a job or will soon be out of a job during this time of scaling back. I lament for the poorest and hungriest in this time when it's sometimes hard to find bread and toilet paper and and hand sanitizer. I lament over people in nursing homes cooped up in their rooms, living out their final days in isolation. I lament when I think about how many people in power have used their knowledge to dump stocks at just the right time before the news breaks and the rest of us having to suffer those losses with our retirement accounts. And of course, I lament that the body of Christ is suffering as we cannot meet together for mutual love and support. 
I think both those things are happening in the story today. A costly call to serve God and neighbor and a lament over how costly that call will be for us, especially the least powerful among us in the coming weeks and months. But know this. In the midst of this costly call and our faithfulness in living out this call, Jesus notices us. Others around you may not notice you, at least not everything about you. Right? We hope we do, even as we're unable to meet together in this sanctuary. We hope that the church will be able to notice the needs of all our neighbors and, and share in consolation and support. But even, even when, when we humans fail, Jesus does not. He notices you today. He knows your pain. He sees you right now. And he doesn't just see you. He, he, he does something about it. In his compassion, Jesus gives everything he has for the sake of this widow, for your sake, for the sake of every single person who has ever felt pushed to the limits by the demands of this world. Jesus gave himself unto death, even death on the cross, in order to assure us that nothing in this life will have the last say. Not the death of a spouse or a child, not the loss of your job, not poverty or struggle or hunger, not a global pandemic that threatens to change everything you hold dear about your life. Christ has given you his very self. Today, though scattered in various places, we are a people gathered around this Christ and the hope that his life, death, and resurrection brings. Hope that compels us to believe that even if we have nothing left to give, that Christ has something to freely give us today. This Christ now calls us in this moment to ventures of which we cannot see the ending through paths that are not yet trodden. We know only this. Christ leads the way. So let us press on in faith, confident in his love and faithfulness, confident that despite the odds, we will find a way to be God's people, people of love people of faith, let it be so. In Jesus' name, amen.